Would you join me in prayer before we lift up the word? Father God, humbled to stand up here today. And I just want to lift you up. I'm standing up here proclaiming your word. And I just pray that you'd use your spirit in me to proclaim your word. Illuminate it for us. To show us not only what you meant, but what you want us to do in our lives. How it can change our lives and what it means for Jesus to be the light in our world. And I pray we use this, this word that we're going to learn about today to take it out into our community and share it with the world as we look to Athens. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So, we'll be starting this Advent season in the first chapter of John. And for many people, the book of John holds a special place in our hearts, right? For some of us, it might have been the first book of the Bible that we ever read. And for many of us that, that might have witnessed to somebody, it's the first book that we share to when, we're, when we're witnessing to somebody. It's the gospel we point people to the most. And there's a reason for that. The way John writes his book is a little bit different compared to the other gospel writers. The gospel of Matthew is really primarily written to a Jewish crowd, right? Thinking about the woods, reading from Isaiah, he was fulfilling prophecy. It said, you know, the government was going to be on his shoulders. And Matthew speaks to the Jewish community, people that have religious and traditional values ingrained in their culture. Mark, Mark is very focused on the works of Jesus, the things that he did while he was here. Luke, Luke was very focused on the person of Christ who he was as a person, his character. And then you have John. John is a guy that I think the Western world, us as Americans, can really relate with. Not only did he speak to a Jewish culture, but he, he really spoke to a culture of unbelieving people. And as we look in our culture today, we see as a, as a whole, probably as a country, we're getting further and further away from God. More of a unbelieving culture. So John, he loves to get right to the point. And he says, here's Jesus. He's God. And this is why he matters. He doesn't beat around the bush. So starting in verse 1, and, and you'll see my style is a little bit different. I'm going to go verse by verse, and I'm going to bring it all together and give us a few points that we can take home and a few application points. So in verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right there at the very beginning, John is bringing us back to Genesis. He's bringing us back to the beginning and saying, the Word was there. We know in the, in, in the third verse of the first chapter of Genesis, God said, let there be light, and there was light. He was speaking things into existence, and the Word was with God. So we're seeing that that God and the Word are very important, very powerful things. And the Word was God. So there's no separation here, right? And this, this chapter right here, the beginning of this chapter, is called the Word becoming flesh. In verse 2 it says, He was in the beginning with God. Now we're starting to talk about Jesus. 
He's saying Jesus was there. Jesus was in the beginning. When you think about Jesus, especially, you know, for many people that might not know a lot about Jesus, we think of his virgin birth, right? We think about 2,000 years ago that he was born. But John's saying that he existed before that. He was a part of creation, a part of the world. As we see in verse 3, it says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So you look outside, you see trees, you see animals, you see people. Everything you see is a part of creation. And Jesus was there in the beginning, a part of all that creation. Now we see Jesus as eternal. We see him, again, at the very beginning, before any of this that we see existed, Jesus was there. And to understand his eternal power, his eternal presence, we have to understand that our beginning, when, when God's creating the heavens and the earth, he was still before that. Now my question for you guys is, do you see yourselves as eternal? And now, before you rush to any conclusions, I want you to think about it. Now we have a beginning. We have a conception, birth, and that's really our beginning. Before that, we didn't exist. But we do have eternity ahead of us. So if you're looking forward, we know that Jesus came to be the light in the world, and he came to save us for eternity, right? So that for our eternal souls, our spirits that are going to live on in eternity, we have one of two destinations as people, right? The Bible teaches that if you put your faith in Jesus, your eternal, your eternal hope is in Jesus. You're going to spend eternity with Jesus, not having to pay the consequence for your sins. But for those that don't believe in Jesus, the hard thing to say, the thing that we don't like to hear, is it's eternity in hell for our sins. Right? But Jesus has saved us from that. From the very beginning, he made a plan to rescue us from our own sins. Verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light, I'm sorry, and the life was the light of men. So thinking about how we're eternal, and thinking about how Jesus is life. First thing that comes to mind is probably, well, yeah, according to this, what John is saying, Jesus created life. He created everything we see around us. But how many people do we know in our regular lives, whether you're a teenager or whether you're an adult, you've probably met somebody that walks around that's spiritually dead. They're just going through the motions. They can't wait for the weekend. They're living for the weekend. They're living for the next upgrade, the next thing that they can afford, or to see their kids graduate. And then there's people that struggle with things, right? We all have struggles, no matter whether you're a Christian or, or a non-believer. We all have struggles. Some of us struggle with depression. Some of us just struggle in general with, you know, some of our finances. And, you know, that puts a lot of anxiety on us. These are just some of the examples that tend to distract us and take us away from what life really is. And now, what John's saying is here is in Jesus is life. Now, we're all guilty of it, whether you're a Christian or not. But when you take your focus off of who Jesus is, 
you tend to miss the point of life. In Jesus, you can have not only life here, but you can have spiritual life. Life that, that satisfies, because in the world, we have all different distractions. All these different things that you chase after and pursue. And those, those aren't bad things. And I'm not saying, you know, if you struggle with things, you're not a Christian, because that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need to look to Jesus. That's why we need to feed off of him, right? Verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So again, this first week of Advent, talking about Jesus being the light. I have a, a picture for you. You go out at night, clear night, and you look up into the sky, and all you see is darkness. But then you see these stars. And as you get older, you tend to know that those stars are very large, very bright. But to the naked eye, we're like, eh, you know, it's just a dot in the sky. It's really not that bright. But when you understand how they're, you know, billions and, and trillions of miles away, you recognize how bright they are for us to be able to see them without a telescope, with the naked eye, in, in just a clear night. It's pretty amazing, right? So Jesus is kind of like those stars, right? We see, we look up in the sky, and there's nothing that can put that light out. Those lights are burning for thousands of years. John takes a little different turn in this gospel account. In verse 6, he says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, he's actually not talking about himself. Whenever John references himself in his book, he says, the one that Jesus loved. He's actually talking about John the Baptist. Now, his point, at the very beginning, he says, there was a man sent from God. John's purpose, John had a purpose while he was here, right? Mitch talked about it a little bit two weeks ago. Eventually he got beheaded for following John. But we see his purpose that is is recorded in all four of the Gospels. His purpose here was to make Jesus known. He's saying, we know him as the red carpet for Jesus. You know, you look at these Hollywood stars and they're always out on the red carpet. Well, he was preparing the way for Jesus. He's saying, you know, you got to know this guy. He's coming. Get ready. Repent, believe, and be baptized, right? We look in verse 7. It says, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. And he's telling us about this light that is coming into the world to change our lives. Luke chapter 1, verse 41 says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is talking about John the Baptist while he was you know, still in the womb. And he was leaping for joy because... God made it his purpose. He put the spirit in him to give him a purpose to serve Jesus. Now, do we do that ourselves? Do we leap for joy every Christmas, every Easter, when we hear about Jesus and, and what he's done for us? When we hear somebody else talk about Jesus, do we leap for joy? Do we get excited? Or do we get excited to share, to share about Jesus? Everyone knows that churches are starting to celebrate Christmas, but do they know why? Do we get excited to tell people? Do we interact? Are we 
a light in our community, right? Looking at verse 8, it says, He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. We have the same opportunity. Again, Jesus left us the Holy Spirit. Are we making an impact on the people around us? Do people see the light and say, there's something different about him? Everybody said that there was something different about John the Baptist. Clearly, people, you know, were listening to him, even though he wasn't, you know, the best dressed or the, probably the best looking. I mean, this, this man was eating locusts in the wilderness. But people listened to him because of what he had to say. He had a hope, a light that was shared with the world. Mark chapter 1, verse 7 says, And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Think, John the Baptist was not the Messiah. But he was esteemed pretty highly. People looked at him and said, Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that's coming? People that knew that there was a Messiah coming. And he said, No, 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 I'm not even close. And that really should be our attitude. We should never look at ourselves and say, yeah, I'm saved, now I got it all together. I'm perfect. No, we still need God's grace, and, and I think that's very evident as we read his word. So verse 9 says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. My next point is, Jesus is the light. Right? That's, that's our focus today as this Advent season starts to begin, is Jesus is our light. He is our source of light. And this verse can probably be better said as, he's the light giver, right? It says, which gives light to everyone. So if he's our light, he's our light giver. My question for you guys is, are you reflecting that light? Because as Christians, right, we have the Holy Spirit. God living, God's spirit living inside of us. Do you take the opportunity to share that light with the world? Going back to this analogy of looking up into the space, into space at night. It's one thing else you see. You see the moon, right? And I actually remember getting in an argument with my dad over this. When I was a little kid, I was probably like eight. And I was telling my dad, I'm like, man. This full moon, it's bright. And my dad was like, yeah, well, it gets the light from the sun. And I was like, no, it doesn't. I don't see the sun anywhere. And so I got in this big argument with a little eight-year-old trying to prove him wrong. But that should be the way we look at Jesus, right? The sun gives moons to light. But the sun, the son of God, should give his light to us as believers. And we should be willing to shine in the night in a dark world. Verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Going back to this account of creation, Jesus has been a part of creation from the very beginning. He's created everything you see, and the more and more you look at history, the more and more you look at this word, you realize he wasn't just fulfilling prophecy, but he put himself in the perfect time for him to fulfill prophecy. He knew exactly when he needed to come. He has his hand all throughout history, even today. Do 
do we realize that he's a part of this? But then it says, yet the world did not know him. This is a hard truth to swallow sometimes. To know that the world isn't going to like us. It didn't, they didn't like Jesus. The world's actually going to reject us. The majority of the world is going to reject Jesus. Because the world doesn't know God. Even though we can look out and see all of creation, right? We look out, we see the skies, we see trees, we see plants, we see animals. And we say, there is a creator. But yet the world does not know him. Romans 1.20 says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. You know, I, I really enjoy science, and I, I like to know the apologetic side of things, which is just how you prove God exists. And sometimes it just baffles me that, you know, you have these scientists that say it's almost impossible. It's, it's nearly impossible. The chance of all this coming together, all of creation coming together, is so slim, so impossible, that they're more convinced that alien life came here and planted life, rather than a creator. It's, a, it's, it's amazing that, you know, the world can't understand this. The world can't know a God that created us. Verse 11 says, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. This is talking about the Pharisees. This is talking about the Sadducees, right? The religious people. The people that were supposed to be expecting him. The people that were supposed to be ready for his coming. He came to them, and yet they rejected him. For those that have read through the Gospels and, and we understand what the Pharisees were doing, they hated him. Because Jesus was exposing their hearts. They were so filled with their self-righteousness of how good they are. That they were like, I don't need Jesus. And we'd be foolish to think that we can't become these same people if we're not careful. We always need to focus on who Jesus is. Because if we're not focusing on Jesus, then we're missing it. Verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This right here is the gospel, right? This is our hope. For us that, that believe in him, we are a child of God. Isn't that a, that's, a, that's a great hope. That is a great promise. For our faith in him, we get to be a child of God. Then it goes on to verse 13. And it says, Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This touches on a little bit of what Mitch talked about last week. with The predestination, right? God has planned it. God knew who was going to come to him and who was going to reject him. Even though it's our choice, our free will, our faith in him, it's through God's grace that we are saved. It's through him that we can be saved. It's through him that we can know him. Again, God didn't just leave this creation. He didn't just create it and say, I'm done. No, he's been a part of it. 
and he didn't leave us here by ourselves. He wants to have a relationship with us. Verse 14 takes a little bit to our last turn of this passage. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It brings us to our last point. Jesus is the Word. Right? Jesus is the Word becoming flesh. Now what does that mean for us, right? The Word is power. We kind of already talked about that a little bit. God spoke things into existence and they were just done. You think about humans, we have to create out of something else that we have. Right? Whether we're building a building, we have wood, we have all these supplies, but God just speaks it and says, I need this. I need light. I need light. I need earth. This word, this word is so powerful. And yet it says, full of grace and truth. Sometimes that's hard for us, right? I'll be honest. Sometimes I'm more filled with truth than I am with grace. Especially when I'm not focused on the true light. Sometimes we're filled more with grace and not enough truth. We have to focus on this light of who Jesus is to understand his call for us. Verse 15 says, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes before, comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. It goes back to the very beginning, right? <coughs> Jesus had his birth, but he's been here long before he came as a baby. He's been in creation long before he came as a baby. And there's going to be Kingdoms that rise and kingdoms that fall. Rulers rise and rulers fall. But Jesus ranks above all of them. He has all power and all authority on earth, right? Under heaven and earth. Verse 16 says, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. And I saw a beautiful illustration that, you know, just talks about this. Imagine sitting on the beach and seeing the waves crash over and over. You might wonder, when does it ever stop? And it never does. And that's how God's grace is. It's like the waves crashing on the ocean and it just never seems to end. He gives us grace after grace because of his love for us. Because of his care for us. Verse 17 says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So for those of us that know our Old Testament, right, we know that Moses gave us the law. Carved out on these stone tablets. And he basically gave us a list of rules. And that's sometimes how people in the world look at religion or Christianity. They say, look at all these lists of rules. Like, I don't, I don't need that. I'm good without it. And this is what the Pharisees focused so much on. They said, I'm fulfilling all the rules. I'm doing all the right things. Yet they missed the point. And that's why grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. The light came into the world so that we can have hope. We can see what it looks like to follow God. To have 
grace, truth, love. Because God displayed his love for us, right? By dying on a cross. Verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. We know that Moses really wanted to see God. He was, he was passionate about it. He's like, God, I want to see you. God said, you, you can't. Your sin separates you from me. And Moses was esteemed pretty highly, I would say. And yet his sin separated him from God. He could not look at God or he would die. But we can know God by knowing Jesus. Because he came so that we could see what it looked like for God to be one of us. He lived out a perfect life, a sinless life in flesh for us. So how do you know God? The question that, that you really have to be left with is do you know this word? As you look at this Advent season, this time that we focus on Jesus' birth, are you in this word? Are you reading who Jesus is? How can you know who God is if you haven't read it? Saying the word became flesh and dwelt among us. If the word became flesh, wouldn't it be important to see the words that he said, the words that he spoke, the words that he gave to us and see how he lived it out? What it meant for God to dwell among us. So I want to challenge you guys. As you, as you guys go out and you, as we look towards December and Christmas, if you haven't read this, maybe it's a good time to read it for the first time. Maybe it's a good time to reread it. Maybe you need to get your refocus. Maybe you've taken your eyes off the light that your own light is a little bit dim. As we look to the light of the world and the hope for humanity, the hope for us, for our eternity. I pray that you guys look to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you were so gracious to send your son to show your love for the world by not leaving us, but giving us your light so that we can reflect our light to the world so that people can know you. I thank you for your sacrifices that you've given us. And as we continue to look and celebrate each year, we have to look on the blessings that you've given us even in this year. And I just thank you for this opportunity to dig into your word. And I just pray that we take it home with us. We resonate on it. And we use it to share our light in the world. In Christ's name, amen.